wanted the best, you got the best. In strong language and adult content, the hottest podcast in the world. Slowly, we rock. Hey, welcome to Slowly We Rock, Metal's funnest and dumbest podcast. We're back in 2021 again. That's Woo! right. Keep We're going to keep this train rolling. Um, yeah, so you were just saying earlier, before we started recording, how Retour is a twat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> apparently as well, the rumor is that she's the infamous um, Becky with the good hair um, that Beyonce referred to as the woman that Jay-Z had the affair with. So uh, there's a little bit of tea for you. Do you, do you want to something crazy? That's not the first time we've spoken about Becky it's with not, the good hair. It? On, no, it's not, on no. this on this rock and metal podcast. Yeah, I think when we, I think it's because like it was a real big thing. It's probably around the time we were covering the um, that, uh, Taylor Swift Katy Perry beef, wasn't it? Yeah, that uh, episode dedicated yeah. to it. God, that was a saga. Yeah, right. Anyway, welcome to Metal's funnest and dumbest podcast. <laughs> Uh, I am your host, James. I'm joined as ever by Lewis with the good hair. Yeah, baby. And Dan with the good beard. Thank you. I thought you could say Dan with the no hair, because that also would have worked. But... <laughs> <laughs> Don't look like now we can identify you. They need two features. <laughs> I know. <laughs> they know oh, I'm never shaving this thing off again. They know you have a beard, and they know you don't have a hair. Oh no! I'll track you down. Luckily, in Bristol, that really <laughs> narrows it down, doesn't it? To about <laughs> half the male population, I'd say. <laughs> Would you say uh, Bristol's a follically challenged um, city? Well, it's hard to tell. A lot of people probably choose to shave their head, don't they? You can't, you know. Like that Seinfeld episode when that guy's got the amazing hair that Elaine's dating, <laughs> and then he shaves his hair to swim, and she wants him to grow out again, and then he finds out he's balding and he's really upset. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know. You could just go up to people in the street, I guess, and say, look, are you bolding or have you chosen to just shave a forehead choice? of hair yeah. off? Yeah. Really friendly. Uh, there was a kid I went to school with who was in the year above me who uh, moved down to Bristol uh, for uni as well. Uh, so he came down a year before me. And he was uh, he was a very musically talented dude, like played in like a sort of pop punk band at school and was a bit of like a sort of like high school rock star type. But he had a comb over by age like 16, 17. Oof, like, that's a tough him real bad. And as you can imagine, at that age, it was a super sensitive topic. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, like, it was just like, you can't ever, ever, ever mention it out loud. Don't even say it out loud if he's like on campus that day, you know? Um, but when he actually moved down to Bristol, I finally saw him when I came down for uni. I saw him at Panache. Uh, of course. Oh wow, Panache. Uh, yeah. Good lord. <laughs> for a uh, for a club night, and uh, he had shaved all bald, or had he? And when he crossed the county border into Bristol, what remained just fell out. I don't. They probably know. made him do it. I imagine. Exactly. Was he put, <laughs> was he really putting some stocks? Yeah. I don't think had his head shaved. Comb overs ever work? Do they? No, there is there is not a, a that Japanese guy who does a really incredible one. Oh, that one's incredible. But I think if you're going for a comb over in a way that says this is a comb over deliberately, like you're not even trying to hide it, I think maybe that works. 
Uh, if you just, I just don't think that anyone has ever... But doing it in a way to hide like, it just never works. It's ridiculous. Well, no one's ever looked at someone with a comb over and thought, what a thick set of hair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's I think a Patrick Stewart thing, isn't it? With, uh, he used to have a comb over when he was... But it was like, he didn't realise it, but it was, it was holding him back in terms of his acting because he didn't want to move his hair too much really? or anything. And then two of his friends, they were, they were out drinking, I think, and then one of them held him down and the other one got a pair of scissors uh, and sliced his comb over off his head and was like, now you are free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Oh yeah, I'm looking at him now. Right, where wait, is oh yeah, wait. Patrick Stewart's bald, yeah. did you not realise? So. <laughs> <laughs> So Shatner, funnily um, enough, but... <laughs> yeah, did Patrick Stewart have hair in Star Trek? No. no. Maybe in, like, flashbacks. No, uh, no, I feel, okay. I feel like the character... The, I mean, the character isn't always bald. I think you have, like... But I think he well, is Gene Roddenberry, bald from a very early age. You know, Gene Roddenberry's whole thing is that nobody... Because they're like, oh, if it's 25th century, why hasn't anyone cured boldness? And I think Gene Roddenberry's thing was, uh, no one's going to care in the 25th century. yeah. Like, no one really cares uh, today. There we go. What, what is <laughs> I've, just, I've just sent you a picture of Patrick Stewart. I love none of these things are planned, and we just go down rabbit. Because oh. <laughs> <laughs> he's in the Star Trek. Oh, it must be a flashback then. Well, it says flashback in the title, but... Okay, oh, I didn't see that. Let me see yeah, it. and it says hairpiece as well, actually. <laughs> okay, yeah. All right. <laughs> I've re- okay. More fool me, Dan Nelms. But he looks weird. But I wonder yeah. if it's because we know that's definitely not. Yeah, it looks so strange. Yeah, it's like the quality of... um, Because I've been watching the Bond films recently. That doesn't mean narrow things. Dan. I watch them all the time. But I got the Blu-rays <laughs> for Christmas. And it's, it's really interesting tracking Connery's different hair pieces throughout his films. Um, especially like the Thunderball one, because it looks like Lego hair. But I think it's because it had to go underwater <laughs> a lot. I think they probably had to adapt it, but yeah, and you, well, you they, can't really imagine Bond wearing a swimming cap. But then they do they put bits all of hair in pieces, it. were they? Sorry, they weren't all hair pieces, were they? Uh, yeah, I think even Doctor No, he had a hair piece, but I think yeah. to, what? But to various degrees, he wasn't like because um, I think outside of films, even at an earlier age in his career, he was very just fine without having a full head of hair. But I think obviously for Bond, you have to. Um, but I think the earlier ones, he had a little hair piece at the back. And then by, I think even by like the third or fourth one, it was a full hairpiece to cover the top, I think. Definitely, oh. well, definitely if, uh, you only live twice because there's a plot point involving a hairpiece that he wears. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which I won't go into, but it's uh, uh, racially insensitive, I think. <laughs> I couldn't think of a nice way to put it. Uh, I was going to say racially questionable, but it's beyond that, I think. But, what is the hairpiece? Huh? What is the hairpiece? You should oh, probably no, he explain just, it. He disguises himself as a Japanese man in. Um, oh, okay. I, yeah, okay. Except, yes, I so have he, seen but that. he's six okay. foot three, I think, Connor. He's he's big. Um, and they don't. It's weird because it obviously it isn't. It wouldn't fly today at all, and it shouldn't. But they don't go. They give. Him, they, I think they give him fake eyebrows and a, and a wig, and that's about <laughs> the extent of it. Whereas. They don't go. Luckily, they don't go full um, Mickey. It, he he looks more. He looks more like um, Spock's dad in Star Trek. Yes, he looks like a Savrock. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they don't go full Breakfast at Tiffany's with him. Luckily, because <laughs> it's only like one scene in the film or two scenes, so you can just sort of ignore it. And it's not. It's just like oh, this is fucking weird. Did you watch <laughs> Breakfast at Tiffany's, Lewis? 
No, not yet. Still oh, not yet. No. Oh, yeah, boy. we're waiting for your reaction to that. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah. 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 But I, th- I think it's interesting. I just think that, you know, if, if the time's come for for hair, obviously every, everyone's different. If, if you want to get plugs or do something like that, cool, whatever. But otherwise, I think you should just just embrace it like Brett Michaels or someone. Oh, it's funny you mentioned Brett Michaels. Because... <laughs> uh, Brent Michaels has not embraced his boldness, Jim. What do you mean? Was... He wears a bandana, but he has to hold the hair down. <laughs> yeah, because otherwise, so otherwise it would just be a full lion's mane of voice. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's the kind of, uh, I'm not trapped in here with you, you're trapped in here with me, casting over his hair. It's, just, it's so, so out of control I think that he needs to keep it, keep it down. I think the thing with wigs is, it's the commitment every day to have to wear a hairpiece just seems yeah and then also at some point you'd probably have to get a different cut or have different wigs to show different lengths of hair presumably if only like john travolta were here because he's a man who clearly has like worn a you know wore a wig for a long time and you'd see photos where like his hair would be changing actual shape and length within a week like it was yeah. really dramatic changes uh and also his hair, his hair, obviously it's like you can still dye it, but it was like that level of thickness for like a man of his age. <laughs> yeah. From a guy who broke out in Saturday Night Fever, it's like, no, but your hair should not be like that. <laughs> it's far down the line. Um, but yeah, speaking of Brett Michaels, uh, I asked you not to look this up, Lewis, because I, it just seemed like this is a story which... Do you believe it's possible for like a manifest manifestation of your subconscious to come to life? Yeah, like, I mean we've been we've been absolutely concerned that there are like men in white coats with butterfly nets just waiting for us after after we stumble onto yeah. something. But it's never any of the good said, stuff, is it? It's always the weird stuff that comes true. But everything that we said, like things just happen, right? We make up some weird-ass fiction about very specific, washed-up 80s celebrities, and then something will happen with them. Well, strap yourself in. We're certain that we're being spied on. Yeah. Um, And it's the case of, like, are we living in a Truman Show-type scenario? Are we under constant surveillance? Or maybe, yeah, it's just like a manifestation of our will sort of come to life? I don't know. But this story is absolutely incredible, okay? I'm going to read it from, uh, from Metal Sucks, uh, who reported on it. But uh, Catfish Victim believes she's engaged to Brett Michaels and his BFFs with Nikki Six. So what? there's an episode of Dr. Phil, which aired uh, yesterday. Uh, and the description of the episode is, My friend Tina believes that she's in a relationship with rocker Brett Michaels, says Vivian. I am convinced that she's being catfished by someone pretending to be him. By, by Ricky Rocket, the drummer from Poison. <laughs> I love Brett Michaels and he loves me, Tina declares. After three weeks of talking back and forth, he said he was falling in love with me. Several months ago we were talking and he had us take an oath over the Bible that we would be devoted to each other. After we took the oath, he proposed to me and I said yes. Oh no. However, Tina and the man she believes is Brett whom she met on Instagram, have never spoken on the phone and their entire communication is through text messages. He tells me management pretty much controls him that he can only text me. She says he can't talk to me on the phone or send a video for privacy and security reasons. 
<laughs> Tina also claims she and Rockstar Nikki Six have a solid good friendship. <laughs> uh, okay. On Wednesday's episode, Doctor Phil, find out what happens when the real Nikki Six surprises Tina face to face, and she receives a video message from the real Brett Michaels. Oh man. Uh, yeah. That's quite. That's quite heavy, man. Yeah, Metal Sucks commentary was, I warned you, it was depressing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. It is, it is quite depressing, isn't I it? I hope they find whoever's been taking advantage of her. But uh, what if what if this video from Brett Michaels is like, Tina, it. it's, it's so good to finally see you. Wouldn't that be uh, nice? Why Imagine is he that. doing a video? But Nicky <laughs> Six needs space to... Uh, Brett Michaels is diabetic, so he is probably... Uh, oh, do you know, for a, for a really yeah. nice second there, I completely forgot about um, COVID just for like 10 <laughs> seconds there. And I was just like, surely in terms of stardom, Brett Michaels would be desperate to get on the TV. Yeah, Nikki uh, <laughs> Six has a lot more going for him right now with like the Motley Crue union. But then I remembered... Uh, on that pandemic. tour as well, though. So, yeah, they, yeah COVID's still going on. Um, oh, so, that was uh, a nice 10 to seconds. read a little bit more of this article... It would be easy to make fun of this woman who has obviously deluded herself. Um, a video clip from the episode reveals that she sent Nikki $4,300. Money uh, which Dr. Phil points out a rock star would almost certainly not need. Um, uh, it would be easy to make fun of the fact that she actively wants to be engaged to Brett Michaels, of all people. But obviously she's very sad and very lonely. I'm assuming all this happened in the past year. She's probably uh, struggling with the same pandemic-related stress which uh, has happened to the rest of us. So, yeah, hopefully she finds the help she needs. I hope she's getting help beyond Dr. Beyond Dr. Phil. Dr. Phil. <laughs> yeah. He's not a doctor anymore, I don't believe. Was he ever a doctor? Yeah, yeah. was he ever a doctor? Yeah, he was at one point. Of what? Like psychology, I think, or psychiatrist, one of those. Like horses. Horses. I mean... He is actually the closest we have probably to a real-life Fraser Crane. Uh, yeah, he's a psychologist, apparently. Isn't Kelsey, isn't Kelsey Grammer the closest that we have to a real-life Fraser well, no, Crane? Because <laughs> Kelsey Grammer isn't a doctor of psychology. What? and doesn't try and help people's problems uh, on air. And his Dr. life Phil doesn't seem does. like a comedy either, Kelsey Grammer. He's had a real, real tough run of it, hasn't he? As we've talked about before on here. <laughs> Hi guys, welcome to the Kelsey Grammar cast. <laughs> star of Expendables 3, Kelsey Grammar. Uh, star of Money Plane, Kelsey Grammar. Yeah. Uh, yeah Darius Emmanuel Grouch for third. Yeah. Never forget AKA, that. AKA the, the Rumble. Rumble. Um, oh, Dr. Phil holds a doctorate in clinical psychology, though ceased renewing his license to practice psychology in 2006. So he was good. Also... Uh, he rose to fame with appearances on the Oprah Winfrey show, after which Oprah helped him launch his own program. So I would say it's probably, sorry, Mork and Mindy, but the most successful spin-off show of all time. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Mork, of all the of all the spin-off shows you could have named, I could have been Mork and Mindy. Mork and Mindy. What, what sort of a big spin-off shows? Frasier. For start. <laughs> It was right there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> excellent. Oh, great. Oh, Which I man. guess kind of showed you how successful a spin-off it was. 
So yeah. you didn't think about it as being related to Cheers. You could have said Joey as well. Oh, someone who watched Joey, I don't ever want to think about it again. That's the second week in a row we've mentioned the Joey Triviani spin-off. <laughs> this, show. Episode is is quite, this episode is quite specifically a sequel to last week's episode. Yeah. <laughs> We're cool following up on a lot of the themes, uh, a lot of the topics. Easter eggs um, for the fans. Yeah, Easter eggs, exactly. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of which, how are we all doing? Um... Lewis, last time we spoke to you, we left last uh, episode on a cliffhanger because you were watching Sopranos. How's your <sighs> Sopranos uh, run through going? Very good. I, d- I feel like surely this is the kind of thing that at this point we can just discuss, right? Well, yes, absolutely. Yeah. The um, was it Statue of Limitations is well up on that one. Well, I would say yeah. if, if if you don't want Soprano spoilers, don't listen to this yes. bit. I guess because because mm. obviously you're yeah. experiencing it rather having it spoiled. I am, except my, my biggest thing is don't do the thing ever where you think, oh, I recognise that guy. Who's the actor? Because then you'll type in someone's name and the first thing that comes up every time <sighs> is death. <That's laughs> every yeah. single time. Who did you type in? Uh, I've, I've, I've got it down now. Okay. I know how to, but Richie April. <laughs> Richie April. Yeah. God, cool um, also, Jackie, Jackie April, his son... Uh, it's the only other human that I've heard that has a bit of a Christopher Walken inflection. He sounds like a cross between Christopher Walken and uh, a young John Travolta. Do you mean his nephew? His nephew, That's yeah. Jackie's uh, son, isn't yeah, it? I've never uh, heard anyone Jackie, talk Jackie about Jr. Christopher Walken at all. No, but he does. He's like saw because he's got oh, he's got kind of a John Travolta thing in it. I'm not going to do it justice, but he's it's like so Tony. Uh, I want to ask you about dating your daughter. <laughs> that sounds like John Travolta in Greece. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this is, it's like a Travolta walk-in. It's very strange. Uh, he's dead. <laughs> Who is? Uh, both Jackies now, I guess. Okay, so where are you at in the show? So uh, Tony has just killed Ralphie over the horse. Uh, okay. And I, was, I was really sad about it. I loved Tony's interest in this horse yeah it was just there was something really wholesome about it um i've got i've got a feeling that it wasn't ralphie that did it but it probably was he confesses doesn't he yeah he did it for insurance right he doesn't actually confess per se he's just like so the fuck what is a horse but he doesn't say like yeah i burned it yeah i think that's good as a confession i'd have gone away with it too if it weren't for you damn sopranos uh did you love the episode with the uh Paulie and Christopher stuck in the woods. It, it was so good. It Isn't it the so funniest? That like, phone call with Tony when he's trying to yeah. tell them who the bloke is. <laughs> like the guy's an interior decorator. <laughs> <laughs> Lewis, you know what you can appreciate now? You've been watching Sopranos. That video, I think we sent it a while ago and it confused <laughs> yeah. you, of the guy doing a Tony Soprano impression living in Hawaii. Yeah, that, that was the... The fucking strangest thing. <laughs> yeah, but now you'll love it. Now it'll be the, I do, I do not no, get this. Now it'll be the most amazing video. Okay, but uh, no, it's it's amazing. It's so good. Uh, everyone is having a really hard time in it, and I love all these horrible people so much that I just want them all to be happy. <laughs> and it's it's really <laughs> not do, working out then, that way. I just like how often they'll suddenly remind you that they're absolute pieces of shit. Like with um. The whole storyline with Robert Patrick. Yeah. As the... Yeah. I think, is it Richie lets him gamble when he's got a gambling addiction? I think so. I can't remember who... 
Yeah, because I think Tony lets him in, but he owes Richie a lot of money. And then Richie gets furious about it. And then he fucks up and then steals more money from Tony whilst he sleeps. Yeah, and then, yeah, Tony ends up just crippling him financially, doesn't he? It's really, uh, yeah, it's such a good program. It's just so... It's, re- it's amazing. It's absolutely fantastic. Everything about it is brilliant. There's there's so much subtlety to it as well. Like, and, and the, so much humour in the edit. Uh, like, in, in this one scene... Uh, Today, a character was crying and Tony was kind of giving them shit for it. And then it, like, it didn't really give him much shit. It was just like an offhanded comment. And then immediately cuts to him in tears in therapy. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's, it's so, everything's just so perfectly timed. It's great. Yeah, I'm loving yeah, it. It's, uh, I'm, glad, I'm, glad, I'm glad you're enjoying it, man. I mean, My fucking internet has been so bad. Have you got a uh, wired connection? No. Oh, mate. Makes a big difference if you can. Uh, not that I do right now, but I'm, I'm in a small flat. I've had I've had three engineers in the last ten days. Ooh, okay, really? Cool, that sucks. Yeah, man. And everyone comes and goes. Don't know what the problem is. <laughs> cool. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Nemi Dog X, talk to us. How you doing? What uh, are you doing to? Uh, don't know. Um, lockdown's really hard to again. It's really hard to gauge. What I haven't haven't done. Um, Hitman Free came out last week, um, so I've been playing a lot of that. Finally, after like f- five days of not being able to play it, yeah. Uh, which IOI Interactive I think got off really lightly with that. Uh, so, yeah, just just talk. F- first things first. Uh, talk is for people who aren't uh, gamers. Uh, talk talk us through what Hitman is, uh, and then talk us through some of the, the troubles you've been having with it. Yeah, so Hitman is a series of games going back to, like, I think, to early 2000s, where you're this bold clone man named Agent 47, and you've essentially been genetically bred to be the perfect Hitman. Um, and the games have sort of been quite good in places and in other times been quite bad. And then with these new ones, every level is its own sandbox, so it's designed to be replayed over and over and over again. Um, but it's got a very... So you're basically, yeah, you're this guy in a, in a suit and tie, but then you can, like, take people out and wear their costumes or wear their outfits, and people will think you're that person. And they don't bat an eyelid if your accent is suddenly changed or the fact <laughs> you suddenly have no hair. Um, or even, like, the size of the person you took out, you can wear their outfit. And it's just amazing, and it's just so many different ways to kill the targets. You basically have two targets per level, roughly. Or give or take, there's, like, a target you're meant to kill. But how you go about it is completely up to you. You can go in guns blazing if you want. Um, or there's like, there's one where you can pretend to be a bartender and you poison their cocktail and then they drink it. And then even that has variations because it can be a poison that kills them or it can be a poison that makes them throw up and then you can drown them in the toilet if you want. So loads of variety in murder, which is always nice. Um, um, in the, <laughs> cause they, I guess they kind of did a reboot about four or five years ago. Yeah, when they released the episode, which, which is called the world of assassination. <laughs> we're living in it. We just don't know yet. And by know. the time we realise, it'll be too late. Too late. It'll be behind you. <laughs> um, but across the three games, have you got a particular favourite map or murder as well? Like a way of killing people in it. Uh, or, or let's think. Like yeah, there's all sorts. So there's so in this in Hitman Two, there's a level set in a sort of F1 type race in Miami. And um, one of the targets is driving one of the race cars. And then her dad is also the other target. 
And there's various ways to kill them, but one of the ways you can do is you can mess around with a satellite dish on the roof of this building, and he goes up there to investigate. And then if you time it right, you can shove him off the, ro- off the roof onto the race car track as she's coming along, I and mean, then she crashes as well. And you just take them both out like that. Oh, I never got that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, well, you should go back and do that one. It's a, yeah. that's a quality one. Um, but a lot of the time as well, he's not just a hitman. He's also the greatest multi-skilled person of all time. So there's one where there's a rock star recording. It, it, it should be called Renaissance Man. Because it really should. And he has no emotion. So everything he says <laughs> is very deadpan and dry. But like, there's one where you can pretend to be the, rock, the drummer in this band that's recording. And you just do a perfect solo and like drum fill just to show your skills off <laughs> uh, out of nowhere. Um, but yeah, I mean, in this new one, Hitman 3, one of the levels is set in a, a abandoned power station that's turned into uh, a nightclub. Wait, so he's you said that he's genetically modified? Yeah, he was grown in a tank. Yeah, yeah, he was grown in a tank. He's like a clone. Uh, I think five different crime bosses gave what? their DNA to make him. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. It, like the, the series has become what? like way. It's done the opposite of most series that get more and more ridiculous as they go along. It's kind of become more grounded in a way. Yeah. Because which really thing, works. Yeah, I don't know why they decided that they had to make him this clone, and then he has to go back and like murder his like uh, Frankenstein, and that there's all these other clones out there that he's got to take out. And then they were like, oh, let's just make him a hitman and forget all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, and then I, I'll give one. I'll give my favorite kill so far from a new game. Which spoilers for that, I guess. But the first level set in a um, tower block in Dubai, like Burj Khalifa type, and you're you're on like the 160th floor, and there's two targets, and they've got an emer- they've got two emergency escape plans. One is a helicopter, and then the other is some parachutes. Um, and what you can do is you can sabotage both parachutes with a, with a kitchen knife and put them back in the containers. And then you can deliberately set off the alarm that makes them evacuate. And then you can just stand there and watch casually as they both put on the parachutes, run, <laughs> jump off the building, and then the parachutes fail. <laughs> <laughs> but you can also put a banana down when they're on the run, and one of them will slip on it and knock himself out as well. It's, um, they're just it's amazing. Such a, it's such a good, um, like, rich and famous asshole uh, murder simulator as well. It's oh, right. like, everybody you kill deserves it. Yeah, you you never you never sort of murdering um, anyone who's innocent. It's always like, uh, okay, he's a uh, even more, he's a, he's a hedge fund manager who also does trout trafficking, and he's yeah, uh, like trying to film cold, a snuff movie. And like Cold War it. spy. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, this guy sold secrets to the Nazis, and now he's trying to have his face a face transplant or something ridiculous like that. Um, yeah. I remember one of my favourite kills was in the first of the new trilogy, uh, and it's at a hospital slash health spa in the mountains <laughs> in Japan. And your target is there to have a heart transplant, um, uh, but this facility is in like total lockdown. But if you play uh, play it smart and you go, you jump through all the hoops. You can basically get into the room where his heart is stored, uh, and you basically pick it up and just throw it in a waste paper basket. <laughs> it's so good. And, fe- and then you get a phone call saying, "Yeah, yeah, he's basically dead. He needs that heart to live. Uh, if I can't put the heart in him, he's probably going to be dead in a day or two. So, good job. <laughs> Go home." Oh, it's so funny, but um, they and actually in the third one they really they change up the formula quite a lot. So you've got. 
there's one set in Dartmoor, which is basically a murder mystery, if you want it to be. And you can be the detective that's been hired to solve the murder. And you can actually have multiple outcomes depending on how much you decide to look into it or not. Okay. Um, and there's one in Berlin where, I mean, it's just mild spoilers, I would say. But in, in the Berlin nightclub one, there's 10 agents hidden in the club looking for you. And you take one out and get their earpiece and then you have to find five others and murder them as a, like a message to the people looking for you. And you can just hear them panicking as another one gets taken out. But, but you cool. can be a DJ at the club as well. It's We're so talking funny. about Dan's weekend. We stopped talking about the computer game. Sorry, Lewis. Yeah, yeah it's just me. Yeah, take, yeah, that's it. Um, <laughs> but no, that's been really good fun. Um, especially in lockdown. It's the closest I'm going to get to traveling at the moment is you know, <laughs> going to these levels in this game. Um Apart from that, though, just sort of, don't know. It's all very samey this time, this lockdown. Um, just watching TV, playing games. Um, I played quite a bit of Red Dead Redemption 2 again recently as well. Um, I got the itch for that. Uh, just fantastic. I've been, I've been feeling just, recently like, oh, maybe I just need to go back to Red Dead. Because it's just so immersive. Boy. Um, Boy. Yeah. And it's also, you, you, it's out on like the open frontier aren't you you know yeah yeah it's a very liberating experience yeah i can't be a dickhead i thought maybe this time i'll be a dickhead in it um (laughs) and you are a dickhead sometimes because you can't help it because you're a bandit but i still can't bring myself to be a full-on asshole in that game yeah you want to be like the charming you know criminal yeah when i'm getting money off people i threaten them with violence but i don't actually do the violence so i think that's the difference that's what separates me from the uh, common fuck so, and in the game as well which is nice but you can get away with like a pistol whip or something like if you think about oh. like you know um brad pitt in the assassination of jesse james right mm. he's still brad pitt you know still like a cool charming dude but he's murdering and beating up folks when yeah you, know, you don't come across you don't hate him afterwards no not that it really worked out for him but you know <laughs> <laughs> Um, cool. Also, I heard you started watching Evangelion, the Japanimation series. Yeah, because me, you, and a few others got really into uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, uh, which is one of the most insane TV programs I've ever watched in my life. Uh, I wouldn't even and that was really... to begin with that one. No, I was going to say something, but it just makes it sound bad, so I'm not going to say it. But <laughs> it's really good, but absolutely insane. Um, I'm going to fancy watching something else, and obviously I've heard Evangelion's like a a um like a key anime like a uh watershed moment yeah, i guess yeah. in animation um but it hasn't been apparently it hasn't been available accessible for years and years and years until last year like it was apparently it was a really big deal when netflix got hold of it and remastered it hmm. um like it was going for like hundreds of dollars on dvd and stuff beforehand yeah i um, remember they turned loads of the episodes into like movies and did a remaster and release of them uh, mm. And I remember some people getting very excited about it, but yeah, it, there was a lot of chat, chatter about it when it finally ended up on Netflix. Um, yeah. Lewis, do you watch? Do you ever watch any anime or anything like that? Uh, yeah, I, it's it's not for me. It's niche for sure. Yeah, I, I watched I watched Attack on Titan, uh, and the first ten minutes was absolutely sick, and then it was just incredibly boring. <laughs> um, what else have I tried to watch? First time it's like a big naked man uh stomping around and then they yeah. fly about on like hooks and trapezes and kill him or something uh, like a that. A lot of right? the kids are very whiny in that show though. I think that's what put me off of it. 
Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of crying. It's, it's, it's not for me. Um, I guess that the closest thing that I have enjoyed would maybe be some um, Studio Ghibli things. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and even then, it's it's not, I don't know, some of, the, some of the animation just, I find it quite jarring. It doesn't, I, I don't find it pleasing to watch. That's interesting. I think with me, like, there's bits and pieces I do like, but when someone says, you need to watch this show, also there are, there's 900 episodes of it. And it takes about 400 for it to get good. And I'm like, oh, I'll be okay then. Nah, no, thank you. Cheers. That's all right. Um, and also, like, tonally, they can be really... They jump around a lot. So you get one which is, like, quite serious. But then the main character will suddenly find out that there's, like, a... I don't know, a, a dumpling stand nearby. And do, like, cartwheels of excitement over eating some food. And <laughs> there seems to be, like, maybe two different character types. And it's either, like... Uh, very happy-go-lucky, chirpy, or incredibly sad, morose, <laughs> um, reluctant uh, hero, and it's you know it's always those two extremes. Um, Evangelion is definitely the uh, sad, mopey. Uh, Honestly, at the moment, I'm only, I'm only three episodes in. He's so just sad. This boy, yeah. just the saddest boy you've ever seen. So Evangelion is basically Pacific Rim. Like Pacific, okay. Pacific Rim is basically, um, yeah, same thing. Yeah, I looked it up to see if there was any lawsuits or anything uh, around it. But I isn't. imagine Del Toro is like, how are you going to watch it to be able to confirm? True. Like, you can't even see it. <laughs> Good point, actually. He was the one who uh, got that taken off. He's like, like that, yeah, compare. exactly. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's about some, some like school kid who gets to pilot a giant robot that fights monsters and protects the city and uh, every woman who encounters him seems to fancy him even though he's just incredibly sad and depressed uh, all the time and has zero charisma or personality. Um, like Anakin Skywalker? No, 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 no. no he's least, sadder than that. Much sadder. Yeah. Because also Anakin Skywalker is like, at least he's got like a bit of an edge to him. Right? A bit of it. James, he, he murdered a lot he of children. children. <laughs> that is interesting. A bit of an edge. <laughs> Shades of grey. (laughs) Bit of an edge. Um, One thing I will say about uh, Evangelion, though, is it has like one of the best theme tunes. Oh, they've always got cool theme tunes. Yeah. Yeah. Evangelion is bizarre because A, it's about a very sad boy. And B, to start with, it's a very like orchestral sort of choir singing little bit. I mean, it just cuts into this really jazzy, like, trumpet bit, going like, bam, bam, ba-da, bam, 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 bam. <laughs> It just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Uh, they, they, that's every anime show. Like, the, it's, apart from, again, JoJo's, actually, themes really suit that, but it never feels like the themes quite suit the tone of the show. Also, I can't stress this enough, the, uh, the, the, song, the theme song to... Uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion has its own Wikipedia page, and the song is called "A Cruel Angel's Thesis." Of course, it is. Yeah. Again, couldn't be more different from what it sounds like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Absolutely funny, baffling. Absolutely baffling. I oh, liked cool. Pokemon. No, I never that- got into Pokemon, but I never had a Nintendo growing up, so that's probably what oh, I was. Game Boy. 
Not even a Game Boy? No, I had a DS. I bought a DS when I got a he job. He was a game like, man. Yeah. 16. But no, I had Mega Drive. Then I skipped Generation. But, and then I had a Dreamcast. Um, speaking yeah. of which, actually, I watched, there's a documentary series on Netflix called uh, High School. And it's just six, it's four or five episodes about just video games and different video games. Like, like the early, like the first video games, like, um, Space Invaders and stuff like that. And then cool. there's an episode all about like Doom and the rise of first person shooters in that era. But it's just cool. about those eras when they rise up and they get some of the stuff. Some the of games the, rise up. Some of the uh, <laughs> voiceover around it is quite basic because I think they probably have to cover a lot of people who may not watch video games and stuff. But some of the actual interviews they get with people are absolutely amazing. Um, it's really interesting, really well worth a watch. I think um, there's one about RPGs, which is really fun. There's a guy who made an RPG in the late '80s called The Gay Blade, uh, which was like a LGBTQ <laughs> plus uh, sort of RPG game. Um, was it inclusive I mean, or was it incredibly? Was it like uh, Sean Connery's wig? What do you mean? Was it like Sean Connery's wig? <laughs> very dated, very offensive. <laughs> no, no, he was a uh, was actually inclusive. He's a homosexual man living in San Francisco. Uh, and he made this game to because he didn't really have any representation in video games. Well, that's cool. At that point, yeah, it's awesome. And then he lost it in a move from Hawaii to San Francisco, or vice versa. Um, but then a video game, a video game museum in Berlin manages to track down a copy. What? Um, so that's really cool. So that's what I mean. Some of it's quite basic, but then they get interviews with a lot of people who are sort of behind the scenes, or um, like I didn't know this, but Kirby is named after a lawyer that helped defend um, Nintendo against um, uh, Universal Studios because they said that um, Donkey Kong was infringing on King Kong and that people were getting too confused. And it it was damaging their... um, Well, that's the thing. They're lucky, right? I think, because that's actually a translation error, isn't it? Donkey Kong. Mm. It was meant to be Monkey Kong. But also, in Japan, the word Kong essentially is another word now for... Because it's so in the culture, like from King Kong onwards, Kong has now just become its own word for like, they found for like gorilla monkey type creatures. Um, but this lawyer is completely humorless and it's so funny that they named and designed Kirby after him. <laughs> I mean, in the, in, in, the, in the episode of a show, he's like, being a humorous lawyer, I did think about suing them for not asking me my permission first to use my name again <laughs> when naming this character. But I think he's just being very dry, but it's really funny. Because um, <laughs> the there's, there's a guy who uh, they got the name for Mario from, who I think was like a landlord or something like that. And yes. he did actually try and sue Nintendo or something like that, say, you know, for using his name to create the character. Oh, he gave him real estate, I think, for Nintendo of America, I think. That's it, yeah. Incredibly opportunistic. Yeah, just take the glory, I think. Also, yeah. Mario's a hero. It's not really going to be besmirching your name, is it? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, a bit like Agent 47, he's a renaissance man. Whatever he puts his mind to, he's just absolutely fantastic <laughs> at. Yeah. Unlike Luigi. No, his, his name is Wario user. Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. Oh, well, do you know what, man? Um, it has been... It has been a tough lockdown, and... Uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, I think. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that you. Uh, you know, uh, it's been a bit up and down for you. And that's completely understandable. I think everyone's in the same boat here. 
Yeah, I um, think it's just yeah, this third but, um, one, you know. Yeah, right. Um, the Tokyo Drift of uh, Blackfield. <laughs> uh, like it's um, it's good to talk and it's good to catch up, right? Yeah, and it's, absolutely. Uh, it's good to have a laugh, and uh, we hope I hope uh, this episode um, does that for for anyone who's listening as well. And makes it feel a bit better. Um, speaking of feeling better, do you know what the closest feeling to pure euphoria you can get is without taking any kind of uh, illegal substance? Uh, eating a really good pizza. Almost beating a boss on Bloodborne. Oh, of course. Yes. Oh my Notoriously God. difficult. It's been very fun tracking your experiences with this, James. I have to Lewis, say. Have you, have you, do you know Bloodborne at all, the computer game? Your silence only incriminates you, Lewis. Yeah. Coward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry for anyone listening. Lewis is having some technical difficulties, so he might be uh, chipping in and out. If you're a big Lewis stan... If uh, he's one of your favourite parts of the podcast, oh, well, believe that. Uh, I'm going to have to apologise because he's not got a lot to contribute to this episode. Well, he hates video games because he did this during Hitman as well. So, oh, that's interesting. True. Yeah, he just likes Star Wars. So, how um, are you finding Bloodborne? Incredible. Uh, again, just for anyone who is not a gamer, uh, explain the best I can. Uh, Bloodborne is a very difficult, very challenging action almost horror role-playing game mm-hmm. um, from a studio in Japan who specialize in these very challenging role-playing games. Uh, in the series, uh, in the game, you basically you design a character, you give him some stats, and you effectively you wake up in the middle of a uh, very gothic kind of victorian era but i think it's also maybe a bit like germanic um city uh which is kind of in a lockdown uh as monsters roam and people hunting monsters roam the city and you Mm. have to make your way effectively from one end to the other um to try and uncover the cure for whatever ailment is killing you yeah it's very vague well, isn't it it's very the story is very vague and it starts off as like a uh, very much like a kind of gothic horror werewolf type uh action game um where if you die effectively you use, you lose a big chunk of your progress including uh any currency you've picked up then you have to go back and get it again but if you die again you lose it as well and you lose it permanently and everything is tougher than you and you you can't really run very, every, every action you do requires a bit of stamina so yep. you have to juggle that uh and every time you die any enemy you've defeated just resets and comes back to where it was so you have to fight everything again and so you have to make it and then through the you know uh from a to b effectively lighting these torches to kind of track your uh your progress but then you come across like the bosses and <laughs> they are like, for the most part, gigantic werewolf type monsters. They're all pretty much much bigger than you, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Like they, they're like two story buses sort of thing. So then the game, as you're progressing through it, gets a bit weirder and weirder because it's all based around this story of like a, again, we're getting some slight spoilers, but the game is about six years old now and it's not very plot heavy it's all about the atmosphere 
but the yeah. whole game is based around this in the city this church uh that kind of controls everything in the city uh w- that seems to have basically dabbled with some like HP Lovecraft style monster alien gods. And as you're playing Classic. the game, you realize that actually you're not battling werewolves and stuff. You're battling like these, these creatures created by these like un- unimaginable alien God type beings from extra di- another dimension. Um, and it is absolutely incredible. Um, it's so so rewarding though when you actually kill one of those bosses because I I, I did like a couple in a row and mm. I remember after this, my hands were shaking. Yep, uh, it's a real first, isn't it? When you were and I had to just stop for like ten minutes because it always comes down to what feels like life and death uh, in those battles. And uh, after playing, I think it was yesterday or the day before, I'd managed to defeat a boss that had been giving me some trouble for a few days. And I had to just get up and go for a walk. I left flat, <laughs> went for a walk for about half an hour, 45 minutes, just to try and calm myself down because my heart would not stop racing uh, <laughs> from how how intense uh, the whole thing was. Um, but it's also like probably like one of the scariest games I've ever played. Um, yeah, there's a real feeling of dread, isn't there, throughout the yeah, whole thing? Yeah, <laughs> it's this complete feeling of dread and terror, like overwhelming. Uh yeah, and it's just the atmosphere is so thick as well. It's just absolutely incredible. If you are a PlayStation owner, because uh, it's a PlayStation only game, um, they did give it away on PS Plus a couple of years back. Yeah, so I know a lot of people just tend to go into like their into the menu, select it, you know, save it, and then maybe go back to it. So it's worth checking your library just in case you've got it, because um, I would say it's one of the best games on PlayStation. Yeah, absolutely. I would, I would also say a bit like what you've done this time is not to be put off by all the people saying how difficult it is as well. Yeah, I, th- I think. I mean, it's easy for me to say because I've I've played it all, but to me, Pro it's more challenge. I think it's more challenging than like it is a very difficult game, but it's not that it's not unfair. unfair most of the time. There's a yeah. couple of traps and stuff which are unfair, but they're quite funny. But in terms of fighting bosses and stuff, it's all fairly, once you know what you're doing, it just doesn't give you any tutorials. Or It's one of those games where most of the storyline is hidden within descriptions of the items. Mm. And yeah. yeah. I think once you get used to the fact that you're just going to die and you, your progress is going to reset and you're going to have to do the same areas a few times, uh, you, you will, you'll be fine with it if you just accept that you're going to have to do a few runs. Because yeah. Each time you go through, you go, well, I know this guy's going to be waiting around the corner for me. I know there's going to be a trap coming up here. Okay, cool. I know the boss is going to be here, so I've got to make sure that I'm ready. Things like that. And then you, you feel yourself becoming a better player. Um, but every time you get to a new area, that's when you like inch forwards, like absolutely terrified yeah. of what's going to And you forget happen. about all the stress you've just gone through. You're like, oh, a new area. Yeah. This is actually, yeah, it's all that sort of carrot and stick, isn't it? With that game. It's, yeah, absolutely <laughs> incredible. Um, so, yeah, that's my, uh, that is taken up like a big chunk of my week when i've not been playing it i've been thinking about playing it when i've not been playing <laughs> it i've been watching videos of other people play it um whether it's like stuff to do with the story or like speedrunners or expert playthroughs like it is just it's all consuming and i completely get why why people are obsessed with it 
more so than like even other games in the franchise like there's dark souls and sekiro and demon souls which the remake of which kind of came out on playstation 5 as a launch title and a lot of people are very excited for that but there's something about bloodborne specifically which has like a really rabid really dedicated fan base yeah and i think it does i think it's maybe the gothic horror setting just feels i think it is as well it's very unique there's not really many other games that look or feel like it yeah, definitely. Uh, so not. I think that's probably why it's something people have clung on to, um, because there's just cool. nothing else like it. Yeah, get excited just thinking about it. <laughs> Play a little bit more today. Yeah, um, which week is like I think this might be a sub- subconscious thing, but I ordered uh, the Black Dahlia Murders Ritual album uh, after playing lots of <laughs> Bloodborne, and the cover is like very gothic, kind of like Lovecraftian, and they they love all of that stuff. So I think Spies. maybe. Yeah, it is kind of like seeped into my subconscious that all the music I want to do is incredibly gothic and evil, and yeah, it's been it's been a good time. Speaking of music on a music podcast, we are at least about what fifty minutes into this, and we haven't really talked about any music. Uh, uh, did you? Know, we talked about Nikki Six and um, oh, Brett Michaels. That was it. I can't remember his think, name. I, I don't even think we mentioned what <laughs> bands they were in. <laughs> No, probably, no, we did because, uh, as always, Lewis had to name drop, but he knows, but he knows the other members' names in, uh, in oh, Poison. Yeah, Poison. But yeah, not course, even. Yeah. As, I think, as we said before, I don't think even Brett Michaels could do that if you put him under <laughs> depression. <laughs> name drop, like that's, that's a sweet brag. Well, but, yeah, there's, uh, there's no, a so Ricky good, yeah. Rocket, and there's, uh, there's <laughs> that uh, TBD. CB Deville guy and there's a uh, Chad Too Bad yeah on the Chad bass. Too Bad, <laughs> what a name! Well, welcome back, Lewis as well. It's nice to see you. Hey, it's nice to be back. Uh, also, just Google Ricky Rocket. Just Google image him. Oh. It's incredible. Gonna make. Well, the, I'm, gonna, uh, I'm gonna Google it on well. my profile, not the one I'm logged in on. Uh, <laughs> Incognito. There's just a lot of, a lot of very good pictures. Because it's the 1980s, mm-hmm. it's spelled R-I-double-K. <laughs> and I would say some of these pictures tie back in with what we were talking about at the top of the podcast. Um, <laughs> Who do you think he's catfishing? Himself? Yeah. God, I, think he's, I think he's catfishing Brett Michaels. I, I think these are two different people. <laughs> I don't think this, is, this guy has ever been in poison. <laughs> this guy, yeah... He looks anyway, a lot different than talking to music. <laughs> so, talking to music, yeah. Well, I think I suggested this on the last episode, but um, I don't know if it's actually going to work because <clears throat> of how the, the web page works. But I was suggesting that because we, we are far from a current contemporary music podcast. If anything, I'd say we've been actively rebelling against the idea of, uh, of keeping up with what's going on because it's just a lot of effort. Um, but I thought so. I thought instead of talking about like our favorite albums of 2020, it would be more interesting to have a look at like what our most listened to stuff in 2020 mm. was. Uh, because there may be some new stuff in there, but it's probably gonna be like a lot of old classics yeah. and everything, a lot of comfort food in there. It's gonna be really interesting to see what we've been listening to. Uh, but so I thought, well, how to do it? Let's go into like Spotify wrapped because you just go on the website, put in your details, and it brings up the cool little video and stuff. But I think they only keep that going for like a few weeks. So when you go on there, it just goes to your normal Spotify page. But I'm wondering if everyone has Spotify open and accessible, uh, yeah. if 
we can have a look at because it will have your top songs of 2020 playlist yeah yeah i've got it here yeah boy and i reckon it would be uh we'll have like a quick look and see who's in there in like our top five top ten whatever any surprises anything fun anything new uh and then we've got the obligatory music talk out the way and then we can go back <laughs> to talking about um 80s rock stars and star wars <laughs> so maybe we should do uh top 10 artists then if in case there's a lot of re- uh, repeats yeah or top five okay, artists got, Does that make more sense in my top yeah, 10 okay. i've got yeah, one yeah, yeah. artist three times another artist twice yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> well we can just go through some yeah some highlights um Go on, I'll start just to get the ball rolling. This is like zero surprise because we actually talked about this album on the cast. Um, but uh, apparently my number one most listened to song of 2020 was appropriate title, but Catastrophist by Trivium. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which uh, I feel as a title still feels like an incredibly forced word. Yeah, it doesn't fit well, does it? Cata- Catastrophist. Catastrophist catastrophist uh, no. but it's a banger of a song like that album mm-hmm. was um what the dead men say was real good because they decided to make a good album after the last good album which is often a very rare thing for trivium to do bold so, <laughs> yeah it's a very bold strategy one that <laughs> might be successful in the long run who knows uh yeah dan what was your most listened to tune of 2020 it was death or glory by the clash just to keep things uh, ah. modern um, I don't think I have anything from... I have maybe one or two songs on this whole 100-song playlist from the last decade looking at it. <laughs> uh, talking about staying relevant. But yeah, like there's a lot of Clash on there. They come up three times in my top 10. Um, was, and a lot uh, of his top... Was London calling this year, Dan? <laughs> uh, this um, top 10 is actually because a lot of these songs double up. I've got like a rock... I've got like a metal playlist and a rock playlist and then I've got a running one. Mm. Um, and a lot of the songs on my top 10 are also on my running playlist as well as on my like okay. work playlist. Um, so yeah, Spanish Bombs is second by The Clash. But <laughs> <laughs> um, I, mean, I really mix it up with a band that, you know, aren't related to The Clash or influenced by them in any way, which is Olympia WA by Rancid. <laughs> 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 I love Rancid. I think that no, I think they're brilliant. I'm just joking. I love they're, Rancid. Oh, they're obviously so clearly influenced by the Clash. Um, oh, yeah, yeah that definitely. Whole, and that's I from Outcome the Wolves, which is if you haven't listened to Outcome the Wolves, uh, it's just a perfect album to me. Like, there's not a track on it I don't love. I'm gonna make a memo to listen to that tomorrow because yeah. you, I am be, you and many friends have talked this album a lot. And yeah. I don't think I've ever listened to a Rancid album before. Um, uh, I know a this is the songs, one to start with. But um, that's the one, isn't it? Do you know where they get the title for that album from? I know this. I know this bit of trivia. Mm, don't think so. So after, because after like their first album, whatever, um, I guess this would have been when like Green Day, Offspring were like completely bad. Bad Religion as well were completely blowing up and like becoming like the kind of pop punk kind of became a bit of a sort of part time replacement for grunge mm. in the mid nineties, right? Um, and. Uh, with Rancid, uh, basically every major record label wanted to sign them because pop punk was like the big thing okay. they were looking for all of like the latest cool new bands. So they decided not to sign with a major label, decided to keep on doing their own thing. But they mm. called their album Outcome the Wolves, which was a reference to all of like the record label execs who were like coming to sign them because they were like the hot new thing. Hmm. Cool. That's really I good. Like that. Yeah. Um, 
Shall I just run through my top 10 quickly then? Go on, um, yeah, give us a couple more. Well. At number four, uh, motorcycle you emptiness. Do, you have to do it like a 70s or 80s top of the pops. Uh, no, I don't want to do, do that do, because do, I, do, there's such do, a high chance do, do, do. that I do an impression of someone who's been caught by Operation U Tree. <laughs> um, I don't think it's worth the risk. <laughs> <laughs> honestly uh, if you could go back in time you would just hand them a co- like a vhs or a dvd with a few episodes of top of the pops two bent on it and say to the police like let me save you lots of time <laughs> lots of taxpayer money <laughs> anyone who's still alive on this dvd like just go nick them straight away <laughs> hey <laughs> oh god Life's depressing. Uh, number four <laughs> uh, is Motorcycle Emptiness by Manic Street Preachers, um, which is just a great song. And they're a really great band that I sort of forgot about for a while. Um, I, but I rediscovered went, them in the last year. Yeah, I went back and listened to The Holy Bible. Incredible uh, album. On audio, you know, the audio book of... No, no, of I'm talking about the good book. This is, oh, this is my number one read by, uh, read by Larry King. Yeah. <laughs> like in the God rest his soul. <laughs> yeah um yeah no amazing band especially like that early stuff right um yeah yeah i think and like, i think i think i forget like how like rocking like weirdly american they sound and some of like the early stuff yeah well but, guns of roses is such a big influence on them i think especially on that early stuff like their first album and they, they even had that attitude where they were coming out before their first album came out they were saying it was going to be the greatest rock and roll album ever recorded uh <laughs> and all this sort of thing um but yeah definitely like because obviously they changed their sound a bit as they went along. But those early first four albums are all proper, like, hard classic rock almost, I would say. Yeah. Um, I feel like in my head, I associate them a bit more later with, like, Britpop type sound. And then, what? Well, yeah, which we definitely moved into. But then, um, and again, I think there's several Britpop bands like this who aren't as mouthy as the Gallagher Brothers, but are much, much more consistent and better overall, I would say, <laughs> in terms of music. Um, but interestingly managed free preachers they went back to a lot of because those who don't know their guitarist vanished um probably committed suicide um quite early on in their career like after the fourth album i think um and he wrote a lot of the lyrics and stuff and they actually a few years ago they released an album called journal for plague lovers which is they've recorded songs of all of his remaining lyrics and it sounds like the oh. early stuff but it doesn't sound um, like a cheap cash-in or anything like that. It sounds. Mm. It's a really good album. I definitely recommend checking that out. But it's really interesting. Um, and then the next song is Square Hammer by Ghost, which great. Come on, it's just a banger. It's just. I thought that's your forever tune. That is. Yeah, it's just always going to be in the top ten, I think. And that's one of my favourite ones to run to. Um, especially if I'm flagging a bit, I'll skip to it just to keep it going because it's got a really good to it yeah uh then gaslight anthem american slang which is the title okay. track on one of our albums which album <laughs> <laughs> it's american ang actually uh no um but that's a really good album they're just really catchy um i think that's my favorite album by them as well more um, than the uh, the 59 sound yes because i really like 59 sound but as someone i'm a massive fan of bruce springsteen obviously uh well, and I really... top 10 then hmm? I, know, I don't know he's actually not in my top 10 he was in my top 5 artists though but to me 59 sounds sounds a little bit too I really like it as an album but it's a little bit too almost like Bruce Springsteen 
tributary mm. in a way. Like, a bit derivative. Yeah, well, that sounds really negative because it is a really great album. Mm. But I think where they moved to, for me, where they, their sound moved to after that one just just works better for me, I think. I think they sound a bit more like their own band. But I don't know. It's just me, I guess, personal. How do you feel about the 69 sound? Hey, nice. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then it's a band called The Cl- Clash I think I'm saying that right <laughs> The Clash uh, Rudy Can't Fail which again is just a brilliant song um, it is weird that the whole album isn't top 10 to be honest with you I don't know why these tracks are suddenly popping out more um, then it's Refugee by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers Ugh. Which oh, is what yeah. I think it might yeah. be my favourite Tom well according to this it was my favourite favourite of his last year but I think it's my favourite Tom Petty song I think um, it's just great. Then it's uh, after I, I slap them off. I love Nams. I got to got to mention it. You know, in um, the the Dave Grohl documentary about um, Sound City. Yeah. When uh, the Heartbreakers are recording that, and you just see them playing the same thing time after time after time because obviously they're doing it live so they have to every single person has to get their part completely perfect it's, to get that it's take. so mad and to it see is, it that way isn't it but just but oh my god the the like whole vibe from them doing that is just unbelievable i think when you see that and then you hear the track like it really puts puts perspective into it and you just feel such a like live energy from it yeah i think that's why it stands so out cool. so much it's just you, you can't really fake that, can you? That sort of no ma- magic, I guess. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it just really pops. And then, um, so I slagged off his band, but number nine is Oasis and uh, Acre. <laughs> <laughs> uh, again, that's on like several playlists and it's just big rock banger. And then number 10 is uh, Royce in Dub, brackets, Black Rose, oh. close brackets, oh. a rock legend by Finn Lizzy, which is... My favourite Finn Lizzy song. Yeah. Uh, it's just perfect. It's, I know, yeah, it's just perfect. Yeah, I think it might be... I think it might be the best. I think it's so good. It's hard to say, because I'll probably listen to Jailbreak and go, yeah, this is the best one. You know, it's whatever I've listened to last, but Black Rose is just incredible. It's yeah, insane. For, um... It's so perfect. Yeah. For our, to to find out more about our love of Finn Lizzy, definitely jump back to our uh, our um, live and dangerous uh, retrospect uh, episode in the old archives on Spotify because uh, that was an eye opener for me as well. Being someone very late to the party on Finn Lizzy, and they go, "Oh mm. wait, this band is awesome, and this is why everyone loves them." <laughs> um, I mean, outside of my top ten, I actually quite boringly, I don't really have anything unusual. Um. In there, it's all kind of not more of the same, but similar bands and stuff like that. Um, Mine is as well. Yeah, it's like it's it's. it's yeah. I think it was a year for comfort listening. If I think I, yeah, I shared my uh, my top five, and a friend said like, well, like my top ten songs. My friend was like, pretty sure that's just your top ten from last year. And I'm like, uh, it might be. There might be a bit of crossover. Uh, Lewis, what have you been jamming, or what were you jamming in 2020? Wow. Uh... So I'm guessing like the order that it shows up in is, are we doing it that way? Like whatever's number one is. Y- yeah, 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 that's, I why, that's why so, I did. Yeah. I did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so number one for me uh, was a 
a very nice love letter to a car uh, is Panama by Van Halen. <laughs> Panama. <clears throat> obviously, like, yeah, obviously with um, with what happened with Eddie Van Halen last year, there is a mm-hmm. shit ton of Van Halen in in my top 20. Top 20? Well, top whatever. Yeah, so uh, Van Halen, they, they crop up a whole bunch. Um, <laughs> Blink-182, I listened to a shit ton of Blink. In fact, I was really listening to loads of Blink uh, just before lockdown. Because I think hmm. when it's when it was... Um, when did we go into lockdown? March. So, you know, starting to get lighter. <sighs> it's still a bit, bit wintry and that. It's just like the perfect pick-me-up. Just like, okay, cool, let's get some Blink on. Great mood. Let's do this. Think uh, about the amazing summer you weren't going to have. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, yeah, so a lot of Blink-182. Uh, we have a new entrant, uh, Mr. Craig Morgan, with International Harvester. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be right back. So I've just remembered something. Keep keep going, I'll be right back. That's okay. This he is exciting. He looks really panicked. He, yeah. What do you think he's done? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever remembered to show you this. But it's, no. do you remember, it's from your birthday. Do you remember we played um, T-Fury? The Jackbox game. Yeah. yeah. Where you designed the T-shirt. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't remember who did this one, but it was uh, International Harvester. <laughs> and I was drunk and I ordered it. Oh, so Nelms is wearing uh, a, a gorgeous T-shirt, uh, which is like a childlike drawing of a smiley sun that just has the words "International Harvester" underneath. It's perfect. <laughs> if you can send yeah. us a photo, we'll put it on the Instagram page. Yeah, I'll take a photo. Yeah. Oh, Nelms, that's we were genuinely worried then. Yeah. Oh no, sorry. No, just stupid stuff. I mean, <laughs> never anything serious. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, next up, what do we have? Um, Walk With Me in Hell, Lamb of God. Tune. Big tune. Big tune. Just a, a lot of Lamb of God. They're that perfect. Again, another one, like when you just need energy. Yeah, I think I realized a lot of, looking at the stuff I've realized, a lot of the time I listened to music was probably when I was, when I could, you know, the times we could go was in the gym. And yeah. so a lot of it is like, okay, I know why I put this on because it will just get me fired up straight away. Yeah, Redneck's high on my list for that reason. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah rednecks like literally a couple after (laughs) Um, uh, then I've got Nonstop by Leslie Odom Jr and Lin-Manuel Miranda from the cast of Hamilton we need to do our Hamilton episode actually we kind of already talked a lot about Hamilton but that is my favourite song from that soundtrack oh it's unbelievable yeah it it just it does so much happens in it and like by the by the because um, that's the the closing of the first half, isn't it? Yes. So it you've is, got yeah. all of the motifs from like throughout the entire thing. Um, I, I was I was listening as well, and you know you've got the um, uh, the look around, look around, uh, look how lucky we are to be alive right now. Yeah. Obviously, it's talking about like the American Revolution, like look how lucky, like times are great. This is amazing. But in that song, she's specifically saying like, "Look how lucky you are to be alive right now. You could have died." And I just love that throughout that entire musical, they say the same words in the exact same 
like melody but it just has a completely different meaning i just think that mm. that track just summarizes the entire musical it's, it's fucking it's good isn't it considering that he's talking about writing essays to justify writing a constitution it's very exciting <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah that was that was one of the biggest gifts of 2020 like easily mm. um, my flatmate watches hamilton i would say at least twice a week without wow. that. really it's, it, yeah it's like uh her comfort thing and uh to a lot of uh colleagues at work who would listen to hamilton constantly before the yeah. movie was recorded before they ever put on a performance in the uk but were still wearing like hamilton badges and stuff like that and this is something every day like you are vindicated yeah. <laughs> um, man so good leslie odom jr plays sam cook in his film that's just come out on amazon called um one night in miami Ooh. um and it's about a it's a fictionalized version of a meeting between um muhammad ali jim brown um i'm so tired sam cook and Malcolm X. I can think of his name, man. <laughs> um, and it's a really, really good film. I'm definitely recommending it. But uh, his performance as Sam Cooke is unbelievable because he does all the singing as well. And he That's absolutely awesome. nails it. It, it it's like, gives you goosebumps. Uh, Anyone who plays a, a person and also does vocals as well, like play a singer, like five five points automatically. Yep. Absolutely. But, yeah, it's a cracking film, but he he's really fantastic in it. Lewis, you with us? The exact expression uh, frozen on his face right now in his video is like on The Simpsons when Homer goes on rock bottom to try and clear his name. <laughs> sweet, I was thinking about sweet, that sweet the can. other day. Sweet can. <laughs> sweet, 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 sweet. Sweet can. With Dennis Franz playing himself, playing Homer, <laughs> Homer Simpson portrait <laughs> of, a, of a bad man. Um, but yeah, go. I definitely recommend it. You can, you, with One Night Mammy, you can tell it's a stage play originally. But they do yeah. their best to avoid feeling too stagey in a film, yeah. so it's good. good. You're right, yeah, because also Maureen's uh, Black Bottom as well, also based on stage play. Yeah, I need to watch it. I haven't got around to it. I need to watch. Yeah, I heard good things about that. Uh, hey, Lewis. Carol hey, I missed all of that. <laughs> I missed all of that. <laughs> uh, so, well, when you put the edit together, you'll find out what we're talking about. Oh, that's a nice little treat for me in the future. Oh. That's, that's enjoyable. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> we actually were just slagging you off where you couldn't hear us. So. <laughs> Forgot about the recording thing. Frozen again. Unbelievable! It's him when he left the room. His internet was working. Yeah, maybe he's like a living Faraday cage. <laughs> a living Faraday cage. Stan Stanley really ran out of ideas towards the end. <laughs> Sorry, Lewis just texted say he's uh, having a nightmare. Hello, hello. Hello. Are you recording on the phone? Uh, yeah, I'm literally on the phone to you right now. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. It feels like we're on a radio show. <laughs> yeah, it feels like I'm calling in. <laughs> yeah, it, honestly, it sounds just like that. It's really funny. <laughs> Long time listener. listener, first time caller. <laughs> <laughs> this is. Oh, uh, this is not. Sorry to anyone listening. Um, I've been cursed with terrible internet for the last few months uh, which is really good because at least i'm not working from home <laughs> also it's censored your phone number 
So it's just this mysterious person calling in. It gives us three digits of the first five and then gives us the last two digits. So I'm yeah. going to be hitting a lot of random numbers tonight until I ring you. So This is the point where you would say, I still don't know why we're playing 442. Uh, it's such a dated yeah. way of... <laughs> oh, this is such Radio 5 vibes. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like I'm stuck in traffic leaving Swindon yeah, on yeah. the way home from uh, the game. Lewis, Lewis, are you, are you driving right now? I'm on the hands-free. Okay, sorry, we're going to have to disconnect because it's not safe, but thank you for your call. <laughs> Could you imagine how terrifying it would be if I just joined the call in a video? I was like, yeah, guys. <laughs> yeah, and then it's like, uh, but you're still on the phone and you're like, who's that? What's happening? And God, like, that'd be like Lost Highway, wouldn't it? Then the video is like, who are you talking to? I'm at your home. <laughs> yeah, and then... Uh, Ask me. Yeah, then you hear Kizzy shout like, "Lewis, did you open the? Did you leave the front door open?" Uh, and then like, he's in the house again. Oh no! <laughs> the ca- the, then both the feed, he's, yeah, the feed cuts out. He came into my house to use my phone to call the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's your evil doppelganger, so yeah, he knows how you think. Yeah, he's in my dressing gown. <laughs> <laughs> funnily enough this is always my fear of what it might be like doing streaming or like doing it through video calls and we had a really good run so so because of technical difficulties fuck this (laughs) so i hope you've enjoyed what we've recorded (laughs) because that's literally all you're getting uh until (laughs) until more men come into my house to do nothing uh so what doppelganger is (laughs) <laughs> and hopefully this is me uh if you never hear from me then just question this phone call massively but if you do want to hear more from us uh, and you're interested in catching up with us online you can always get in touch with us directly where you can email us uh where we are slowly rock at gmail.com uh we will respond we yeah we're, we're pretty, pretty open really we're just giving away giving away our inbox online right there that's probably gonna bite us in the ass one day um, you can also find us uh, on Instagram, where we are Slowly We Rock Podcast. You can find us on Twitter, where we are at Slowly Rock. We're on Facebook, everywhere else. And if uh, if Lewis's internet continues to go as it is at the moment, he's also got a PO box, uh, <laughs> a coop for the carrier pigeons, uh, and a pair of binoculars to keep an eye out for smoke signals as well. <laughs> Semaphore. <laughs> Yeah, if um, if you can leave uh, bundles of sticks in different patterns outside uh, on the road, <laughs> I will know what it means. That's fine. <laughs> We've been training for this all lockdown. Uh, Jim's now officially a Boy Scout. He's got his his badges. He can read that Literally, shit. Always was. Always was. Were you? Were you a Boy Scout? Yeah, so was I. Yeah, yeah, Scouts. Yeah. I, I, I never to, did like... any of that. Loser. Right. Good luck when we're stuck in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not far off it. <laughs> but um, no, we, we we will have this. We will, we will definitely have a better time uh, next time. So thank you so so much for bearing with us. Hey, maybe maybe this is going to be one of our highest rated episodes because I'm barely in it. <laughs> Mostly just swearing off screen. <laughs> so if you want to hear less from me, <laughs> upvote this. <laughs> Cool. Thank you guys so, so much. We've been Slowly Rock. Enjoy yourself. Have a a lovely time until we can do this, maybe, hopefully, again. Who knows, Highlander? Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) 
Cool. Bye. 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 Difficulties. Hello? God. Oh, for fuck's sake. That's when you want it locked down as well, internet. Oh, for f- stupid fucking. So, what's that, Lewis? You've been, you've been listening exclusively to oh, late 80s no, Michael Jackson. Jesus, that's, that's like, yeah, weird. 80s, 80s Michael Jackson, sure, but My top 10 is versions of Stranger in Moscow. His story. Yeah, and he's gone to reset is the internet. That shit for you. It's fucking awful. Huh? Oh, it's a fucking nightmare. Is it a different colour? Alright. Stupid fucking Kizzy's actually just torrenting loads of anime as we speak. Yeah. She's, She's actually running really a Bitcoin miner. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, am I back? Hello? Oh, for stupid fucking internet.